see, is your list of notes just a list of colors that are not seen in this film? Is it just yeah. is it just one of the bullet points is yellow, another one's red? Yeah, just a huge a, a huge page that just says Roy Jiv crossed out. <laughs> yeah, and it was that. But then when and then I wrote ugh, like no ice blue. But then a character got pissed off, and then I was like looking at their eyes, and I was like, oh, J.K., they do have ice blue in this film. Only. Is that why that happens? I mi- I must have looked down or uh, been exposed to an IMDb TV ad for the uh, <laughs> immediate preceding moments. Um, it's I think whenever you know <laughs> shit's popping off, it's the scientific <laughs> medical term. Um, whenever shit is popping off, pre- predator mode, just Horny. fuckable, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So. Um, my eyes stay brown when I, those things happen to me and it's like, okay, what the fuck? That's interesting because when I get mad or horny, I get a Bill Nye's hairline. My (laughs) eyes don't do anything, but I get like a really slick backed, but clearly going thing going on up top. (laughs) And I start being one of the three interesting things in the movie that I'm in. <laughs> we all love this movie. We can just wrap it up now. Honestly, like what do we have to talk about? Everybody here loves it. Everybody here for some reason has seen all of them. <laughs> I so we we mentioned this a bit earlier uh off record, but um I too had been a bad friend and forgotten. You you do love this movie, Becky? I love this movie. Not a lot to be defensive about cuz I understand. Damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get it. Um but Don't I say just... that about the lichens. <laughs> <laughs> like I I watched it with so much delight, but I understand if you did not. <laughs> mm. I well here's the thing, is that like well oh, first and foremost, welcome to season two of Dead Horse. Yeah, baby. Uh, a podcast about underdiscussed, overlooked, or rightfully forgotten film franchises. Uh, I'm Dixon. Did you just say any... rightfully forgotten? Rightfully forgotten. <laughs> I feel like we should we should allow. <laughs> well, here's also the thing: is I like I I think over the course of season one was probably the most consistently negative part of the crew here and i just want to reiterate that i don't want to be that like i don't want to be a part of like we're gonna get together and rip on bad movies you know sure like and and i'm sure that as the series goes on there will be stuff there was stuff i liked in this one but like i yeah no i really 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 i really i really struggled with underworld (laughs) (laughs) i did too at first but i've i've come around to a sort of like libertarian underworld centrism as far as like my sort of vampire versus werewolf worldview goes mm-hmm. <laughs> um by the way i'm i'm pj audenzia they them uh libertarian underworld centrist um <laughs> and this was my first time seeing it but uh lord knows they marketed this thing really really hard in 2003 and i thought that kate beckinsdale Kate Brecken, Breckenshale, um, Kate Breakfast. I thought she <laughs> looked so cool so in those cool. trailers. Um, she does look very cool. 
she looks extremely cool. cool and she's got like swaggering like cool movie star presence i liked her in this a lot i warmed up to what one or i almost called it wonder world i warmed up to wonder world um <laughs> but it, it it took a, a second viewing having it on in the background um where it benefited a lot from not being my job i'm becky granger uh she her and i uh, only like good movies so from here on out like you can sort of figure out what movies are good based on what i say that's the main <laughs> idea behind the podcast is who's the who's got the brain that understands and like likes the good stuff so that's me let me just say let me just say we are watching a movie we're watching we're watching the matrix meets ancient fantasy lore (laughs) and that's fun like is it good i think it is but people don't (laughs) and i i really have fun watching um this lore and the this absolute simplicity and brevity of a lot of the character development and the complexity of the like fantasy elements and if you don't like that, you will hate this movie. <laughs> I Becky clearly saw the face I made when she said simplicity <laughs> because I thought she was going to say the simplicity of the plot. <laughs> oh, I just shot water out my nose. I'm so I really wasn't oh, trying to be a dick. That was completely no, no. I well, I saw you. I saw you think it, and I said I can't lead them astray either. <laughs> like everybody needs to understand. Like when I mean simple, I mean like. We don't know a lot about our characters. <laughs> There's pretty much no defining factors about them except for their species, like straight up. Um, so if you're not into that, which I'm surprised I am. Y'all, I cannot emphasize enough how this is not usually something I would be into. I'm not like a fantasy girl. Really? So I don't know. Is it because Kate's hot? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's not a bad reason. I mean, she's like... She's so central to this to this series and like it it rests a lot on her ability to brood and she's real good at it and she looks fucking incredible in leather pants and a trench coat with her short flippy hair and her uh gigantic cool trans girl energy which I was vibing on for the whole movie but I I think what, what makes someone able or not able to get into Underworld is really going to be their relationship with this very detailed, meticulous <laughs> mythology and lore that has gone into every detail of this world and has been written um, so passionately mm-hmm. in such a dorky way. Um, yes. But it also feels like no one involved in the movie was half-assing it like they they found this this new story and this new take on vampire and werewolf mythology um and got so excited about it got so excited to make dozens of movies about it but every aspect of the movie kind of bends over as i think dixon has kind of been indicating um to make way for us to learn more about the uh the gangland fights between the werewolves and vampires and uh boy hope you want to know about their blood 
Hope yeah, you want to know, know about, about their genealogy. Because Kevin Grievous is fascinated by it. This movie takes itself so seriously. Yes! Like, yes. so seriously. And for <laughs> me, it's a little refreshing because of how, like, ridiculously serious it takes itself. Like, yeah. something about that, something about the very the high stakes all the time and the complete lack of, like, 2010s, like, sarcastic humor... I kind of like yeah. it, you know, I like living in this, like, really, like, hardcore fantasy world that's like, oh, no one smiles unless it's in mockery. <laughs> that is true. It's yeah. like, it, it is never undercut. Like, everything that is happening is the most important event in the lives of the lichens and the vampires, and nobody <laughs> ever stops to just be like, oh, did that just happen? Or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, also, I think I, I am willing to be won over by the complexities and the just general vibe of the Underworld movies, because, like, my struggle with it wasn't out, it wasn't, like, filled with rage or, or, or dispassion or anything. I was just, like, it, I just didn't, I truly didn't understand any of it. And mm. when you don't understand the scene an hour back that was... Um, one character's breathless explanation of every single event of the past century. <laughs> You're not going to follow the breathless explanation of every event of the past hour <laughs> when yeah, it happens. That's such a good point. I actually wrote that as something I love about this movie is that <laughs> it literally goes over a, like a century of conflict between two species in an opening monologue that's about like five or six sentences long as she mm. like looks out onto like dreary london question mark but mm -hmm. i i like that if if you know it works and if you can follow it i like that it's just like we're jumping right into modern day but it doesn't i don't think it's good especially if it confused you <laughs> but I, I i like how we jumped right into that and then we were like let's see some fucking gun scenes like let's just jump right into the action you know I, I'm not much of a note taker during these things, but um, just so that everybody can kind of keep up while we talk about the, the intricacies of the lichen vampire conflict, um, did my best to sort of sum up the events of the movies. Um, this is uh, in, in a rare uh, treat for me. I put in work uh, into something I'm passionate <laughs> about. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I've got this thing. So everybody, you know, follow along. <clears throat> Um, so first and foremost, I want to say that, uh, the film Underworld has, uh, ruined the concept of nouns for me. Um, this movie <laughs> is a bumper sticker of Calvin pissing on adjectives and verbs. Um, so, in the war between vampires and werewolves, lichens, Celine is on the vampire's side. She is a death dealer for the vampires who the werewolves, or lichens, call bloods. Lycan leader Lucian was killed by Craven, a vampire. Lycan leader Lucian's killer, Craven's coven, of which Selene is a member, is led by the hibernating elder vampire Victor, though in his absence, Lucian's killer, Craven's coven, is led by Craven, killer of Lucian. Except, Lucian's killer, Craven, did not actually kill Lucian the Lycan leader. His treachery is revealed in the course of Selene's covert construction to kidnap Corvin, a human seemingly unaffiliated with vampires, Lycans, or Lucian's killer, Craven's coven, led by Victor, in which Selene is a death dealer for the vampires or bloods. Selene awakens Victor through a ritual known as awakening. 
for she seeks advice on Craven's coven, Lucian's lichens, and Corvin's coordinates. Upon awakening, after the awakening, however, Victor doesn't heed Celine's concerns of Craven's cunning and insists Mm-mm. that Craven's coven's covenant, the covenant created centuries ago that outlines the conflict's certainties, be upheld at all costs, despite Corvin complicating the conflict as Corvin plays a greater role in the centuries-long war between lichens, led by a living Lucian, and vampires, or bloods, led by Victor and his Craven's coven that's initially thought. <laughs> Damn. So that's... Well, now I understand perfectly. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing confusing um, in general, but also about this movie. This may, aside from, I think, probably certain, like, four-hour-long Czechoslovakian dramas, I'm not sure there's a movie that contains more consonants. <laughs> 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 or just nouns. Like, every, every action is some kind of like ritual or long established organization like the council the council is part of the coven led by craven um and the covenant is what the council (laughs) god damn it i'm gonna do a a, a, a more um human version of what dixon (laughs) (laughs) get to the beating heart of underworld i think they need to know that celine is played by Kate Beckinsale. And she is uh, a moody, sexy, almost emotionless, but like a little bit maybe like concerned the whole time. (laughs) And she is really faithful to vampires as she is one until she finds out that she has been um, betrayed by Victor, a sleeping elder vampire who actually just murdered her whole family. Now, Mm. when she's just trying to do her regular biz, she finds those humans being stalked by lichens. She's like, what the hell? This is crazy. So then she figures out that the lichens are trying to mix his good, good blood to make a interspecies vampire lichen. And so it's all about her story with that human. You did an excellent job, Dixon, but I don't know what you said also (laughs) well there there is also one important element that we both forgot to mention which is that uh corvin the second lead of the movie the human who you mentioned that uh kate beckinsale is um after uh to 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 save from this nefarious plot to create a lichen vampire hybrid is played by plank from ed ed and eddie (laughs) is that true no i was saying he was, was saying he's bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he didn't do a lot huh what are those things where are they going where where are you taking me every every line of dialogue that isn't an explanation of every event leading up to and following this one is someone asking for somebody to tell them every event that has happened or will happen because of this we, yeah. we gotta get in more lore we haven't had we haven't had lore in five minutes we gotta get caught up on some lore there's <laughs> no personal development really it's all about in like species conflict so everything is zoomed out by a billion there's only a personal level of like betrayal and survival like those are the only two reasons that any character would have a personal thing because everything is about your species so a part of that is like 
I don't know. It's only fun because there's so much fun action, I think. But otherwise, you'd be like, who are these people? You know, like, what's even going on? You bring up a point about the emotional stakes of what's going on here and how everything is zoomed zoomed back really far and how everything is about either survival or betrayal. And I think that's a great fucking point because I was trying to, like, diagnose what it is about this movie that feels... Like, hard to grab onto. This movie has so many of the ingredients of a fucking cool, fun B-movie. And does have enough of them that I am... I want to be clear about this. I could diagnose this movie's problems until I'm just fucking blue in the color correction. But (laughs) I do think... um, I'm, I'm pro Underworld, ultimately. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro this movie, but You're it can, world. Yeah, <laughs> it can, it can go do its thing over there. I can appreciate it. It's like yeah. a nice person at a party that has bad breath. What? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the, the P and PJ stands for Prunderworld. <laughs> <laughs> Punderworld, Junderworld, Audenzia. Um, no, I think, um. I'm pro-Underworld, but there's a lot of problems to diagnose in this thing. And I think one of them is that, like, this movie somehow feels, like, kind of bloodless. Um, Insert Gene Shalit pun here about, no vampire flick is bloodless, headline, something like that. Mm -mm. But this had always been um, sold to me as being, like, a very gritty, detail-oriented um written by a biologist which we will come back to i didn't know Um, that i oh man no i have a i have a kevin grievous corner he's fascinating um this had been sold to me as like a very detailed vampire werewolf romeo and juliet um and that the core of this thing was like some sort of like forbidden romance story and obviously it isn't it isn't quite that but it does want to be anchored in some sort of love story between Celine and is it Michael? Yeah. Yeah. Um Corbin. and they have one kiss in a lab that is the weirdest thing. It, <laughs> it it has one of those like later period superhero movie kisses where like Superman and Lois Lane like kiss for the first time and you're like, "Ah, whoa." They're like work acquaintances this isn't a relationship um and i think it's like all of the plot stuff of how she ends up betraying the vampires and gets all of the werewolves pissed at her in a whole new way by trying to save her skin for this guy because he saved hers um but it is it is so so hard to latch on to for me for me anyway you know, like i totally get why kate beckinsale has fun playing this character and being cool and having like an action franchise that is hers mm-hmm. um it sounds like she has a lot of fun doing these but um i i just kept thinking like 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 please give this character like two percent just two percent more feelings to feel yeah Um, and and maybe i won't just have to latch on to like you know the color blue and descriptions of what silver does in the bloodstream i'm i'm curious what this movie would have liked with two percent 
more to for Celine the character. But I also love that I don't know. Like I love <laughs> I see that, yeah. I love like as complicated as this movie is, it's so fucking simple. And I do love that. Like it's simple in that like these characters fight for their they it's a gang war, you know? They ride for their gang. You see the ebb and flow of, you know, the highs and lows of each battle. And at the end of the day, like, something new is born. And that's also another thing I want to talk about is I love a new species being created. I love, you know, the parallels to, like, you know, like, species, speciesism, like, racism in this sort of, you know. Not done well, but I just like that idea of, like, people being... The, the comparison of, like, people hating on species for no reason and then them being able to do their own thing. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I'm, I'm really wondering why is it I enjoy the vacuous nature of this? <laughs> and why can I latch on? Because I don't have any attention. Like, I don't know why I understand this movie. I don't know why it speaks to me. I'm not sure why I like it. For me, it's almost like a more complicated John Wick. It's kind of like, what's not mm. to like? Mm-hmm. We're just moving through time, killing killing people who are in the way. I don't know. I think that, um, and already in the course of this conversation, I feel myself warming up a bit more to it, just because, like, it is ultimately you know especially especially in today's film climate um but it is ultimately really admirable to just throw that much spaghetti at the wall you know Mm -hmm. like to to really just be like here it is like like it or don't here's a big fucking bowl of salad but i i think a huge part of it for me is that there is a kind of running current of homogenousness, whether it's the color correction or mm-hmm. a majority of the performances. Everything seems to be pitched to be pretty much the exact same level of intrigue and feeling the entire time with not a whole lot of variation. But that mm. did make the bits that did sort of break out that much more impactful for me. It's like, I, I think Kate Beckinsale is good. I Bill Nye as Victor, the second yeah. vampire, is like really he's chewing on scenery. He's having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, once they shade in uh, Lucian a little bit, I really like Michael Sheen for the yes. five more minutes he lasts before they fucking kill him. And I also really liked Erwin uh, Leader, the um, another very hammy performance as like the scientist who's trying to make all this happen, and he's you know like really you know dripping with German condescension like yeah. thing in movies, um, and he's like really just nasty and kind of like spittle filled, and it's a very cool performance. Um, yeah. But like I feel like so much else was just like. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, pretty much everything was at a 7 the whole time. <laughs> like 100%. There, there are no moments where it drops, or for me, moments where, like, an action scene or particularly fraught event was boosted up to a 10 or anything like that. It's all kind of the same pitch. And I think that's part of why I, I struggled. Yeah, that, no, that's uh, so true. Um no battle particularly stands out to me. So that's bad. I like them as I'm watching them, but if I were to recount any, none are like jumping to my mind. The choreography that is visible, there's not a whole lot. I kind of wish there were more. 
is again pretty bare bones um and they do cool act they do what you think are going to be cool action movie things like introduce a, like a special weapon or something you're like holy shit this fight's gonna be cool like at the towards the end a big werewolf comes out and there's a dude with two silver whips and so you're like holy shit mm-hmm. this is gonna be like some really cool like <laughs> acrobatic fucking indiana jones thing we're gonna be bouncing all over the room this is gonna be like three minutes of cool screen time and the werewolf just kind of walks towards the guy and he just like uses his whip like three or four times while not moving and then the werewolf gets him and that's like the werewolf like, swallows the camera <laughs> the, yeah. the werewolf just kind of leans towards the lens and the lens zooms in you know i i will i do need to throw out a compliment to the times that they are able to use the practical werewolves in a shot because mm. mm. i don't know how long that's going to last throughout the series and obviously just even in the ways that they use the werewolves the practical werewolves here there's a lot they can't do like they have these very stiff like yeah bipedal horsebacks um so they can't really move they can't run they can't do stunts and in some shots like the giant werewolf spine will only make like their arms look like teeny tiny little arms uh and it's real goofy but there are also just a bunch of shots where they look um really beautiful and really cool and they're blended with like with cgi really well Mm -hmm. i i was i was finding that like in the first shootout in the subway the what's going on of the i have to keep up with weird plot details was combining with i don't know if you guys felt this way but i definitely struggled with like the the staging a little bit like mm-hmm. i i found a lot of the the scenes like really hard to like geographically and emotionally follow mm-hmm. um but around the like i i was re-watching it again today and like there's there's all of this stuff about yeah, if, if it were a little bit warmer and a little more emotional and maybe a little um, more welcoming, yeah, that would be that would be the more PJ flavored underworld. But the the fact that this movie doesn't wait for you, it says, okay, yeah. here is this fucking universe that has been here for five hundred years before the movie started. All of this shit has been going on for a really long time, and you can kind of feel it. And if we don't get sequels, we are fucked because this story <laughs> keeps going in both directions. Like there's, there's, sorry, there's totally something to like about that. And there are a lot of people out there who are very, very into this stuff, who are mm-hmm. into, because even for how like relatively low budget and contained and small this movie is, it does have like the, the sprawl of, of of an epic Mm -hmm. um i just wish and and this might just be an aesthetic thing i might have just been too old when i finally saw underworld i think i was too young when i watched (laughs) it first i don't think you were too young i think i'm crotchety i think i get up and move and my bones crackle and buckle (laughs) and i not like kate I mean, she her bones are silent, and she's jumping from, like, eight-story buildings, and her knees are like, heels. yeah, I don't care. I don't mind. She just keeps walking. That moment is so fucking cool. 
Yeah. It's so good. I love what you're I love what you said in that this movie doesn't wait for you. I think there's almost no better way to describe it. It's it you are coming into a slice of life of this insane fantastical warfare and I think that yeah. is what I like about it. Mm-hmm. And I also think I might like how generically uh Kate plays it cuz it's almost like a choose your own adventure like you can just put yourself in to the main character like there's no distinguishing features about her as a person that would Mm. make you be like oh i wouldn't do that or i would totally do that she's just doing actions (laughs) (laughs) so it's almost like i feel like you can really put yourself in the lead's shoes in a way that isn't usually done with movies usually it's done with specificity and like (laughs) and like personality but it's almost the opposite it's almost like a pov porn (laughs) like (laughs) like do you know what i mean like yeah, I feel plug like you in just... and take 20 minutes on Scott Speedman. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Get his drippy hair all over you. You have that greasy, hasn't been washed in 80 years <laughs> hair that looks absolutely perfect. Um, don't try to put her in a gown. She's not going to wear it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, all the male actors, like... Did did they just have like one set of prosthetic under eye bags that they just switched out for whoever was on camera? Or you know that actually ties into to my earlier complaint of like homogeny. It's that like everybody for the most part also kind of looks the same. Like Scott yes. Speedman and the vampire noble. What's his name? Uh, Craven. Craven. And there's oh, another boy. there's another guy who looks exactly like Craven, but isn't Craven. And they all have like kind of two thousands, like a little above shoulder length brown hair and, you know, are quite attractive, but in like a, a way that in combination with the strange staging and the samey costuming and the like one color make it kind of difficult to tell them apart there were times when i was like oh i guess craven got killed and i was like oh that was not craven and i was like oh why are they kidnapping craven oh that's corvin oh whoops (laughs) let me dog ear this and we can come back to it but at some point we 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 gotta talk about my friend craven we gotta talk about my best friend Craven. I've gotten into a groove now when I watched movies for this fucking podcast where I look at a man's face. Uh, like this guy, I look at this guy and I see, you know, bagged cereal Trent Reznor and I go, oh, that's the Dixon man. That's the Dixon man for this movie. Every yeah. movie we do has a Dixon man. But mm-hmm. it's it's a question of who who will who will be the Dixon man? And yeah. the Dixon man this time was Craven because he's got he's got a big <laughs> face and he does weird stuff with it and he's gr- okay. Hold on, I can't I can't get bogged down on Craven. I can't get bogged down on Craven. Um, sounds like PJ's come down with a case of the Cravens. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Craven fever, baby. <laughs> I've got Craven nineteen. I'm craving some Craven. Um, <laughs> I, for the longest time, was struggling to figure out if Lucian was a vampire or a werewolf. Because even though the text of the movie keeps telling me that he's a werewolf, um, they cast a great actor named Michael Sheen, who was married to Kate Beckinsale for a while before she ended up divorcing him and marrying the director of this movie for a couple years. Um, Some... 
personal things happening on Underworld. Um, Michael Sheen's a great actor. Um, he is also the most vampire energy actor who ever lived. 100%. It definitely won't be confusing at all for people that we cast a British dandy uh, with long hair and a flowing uh, coat as a werewolf who drinks blood from people and has long fangs. There is <laughs> there is no way that anyone could could possibly mix these up. Yeah, a lot of a lot of very samey uh, uh, faces in this thing. A lot of uh, and wh- which which guy is he? Is he one of the other guys or is he one of the other guys? It must be because oh. I've seen this so many times that I I didn't do that. It must yeah. like because you guys are right. Like everybody looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how you would both feel if you watched it again with no confusion. Like, if you, like, if I prepped you and we studied and there were, like, flashcards involved, like, (laughs) would you like it then? And, you know... Did breathing exercises beforehand. Philosophically, Mm -hmm. should we prepare for movies that way? You know, like, should we study (laughs) the lore before we watch films? I think yes. I don't think that they should speak for themselves. (laughs) Hey, I, I couldn't let myself nut for, like three months before we watched spy kids and <laughs> i've i've never been as good on an episode since then i don't so. know what that has to do with studying <laughs> it it makes your brain sharper it gets all the goo um, out of the way okay that's, that's why i got a 600 on my history sols as i just just pure retention <laughs> You you didn't you didn't have any of that poisonous oxytocin clouding your mind. Okay, wait. Let me get the fuck away from that. Um, I, Becky, I kind of want to know more about your relationship with this movie and when you saw it for the first time. How old were you? Mm-hmm, like, do you, mm-hmm. did you see it in a theater? Do you remember going to see it with people? I definitely. Because, yeah. yeah, I definitely didn't see it in a theater. I definitely watched it on on tv at home or we rented it or something um i don't remember the first time i watched it i've seen it so many times <laughs> i must have i must have seen this like four or five times hmm. um you know oh i'm sorry i'm totally no no it's okay and i, was, I said it's okay I, like you could keep going but then i said it's not okay <laughs> no i also i also miss my thing i'm sorry you go <laughs> Fight, 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 fight. Okay, I will go. Um, My sister and I really love these movies. I don't know that it's... It's more... It would be more her genre than mine. Like, I'm not a fantasy person. I'm not really, like, an action person. Um, So why I love this movie continues to escape me. But I do. So my relationship to this movie is a bit confusion. And... complete being completely enthralled with the mythology like i think i happen to really like the vampire like in culture (laughs) and i like i like the betrayal this is no mummy mummy to me you know like i enjoy watching this when i catch it on tv but i would never even think about this if someone asked me like what my favorite movie it is it's like if i'm watching hbo when i'm home on college break and this happens to be on TV at like twelve thirty a.m. Like I will finish watching it, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, that's all. That's 
you saying that the first time you caught it was on TV actually I feel like if that were to be my experience my with my first time with this as opposed to like this is what you're doing you have to talk yes. about this at length because you can come into like a half or quarter finished movie on TV and just have that innate understanding that you will not be able to know everything that's going on and sort of yes. allow everything mm-hmm. to wash over you mm-hmm. a bit better. And so I feel like maybe if I had come into it just sort of being like, yeah, this is a lot, but like whatever, I would be a bit better disposed towards this movie. Yeah, that makes sense. The The high stakes of having to speak about it when it's not much and it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> I, I also think it sounds like PJ, you were informed that this was like a really detail oriented um, lore heavy thing previous to this where uh, I mm-hmm. I did not know that the the sort of point of comparison based around aesthetics and budget and like time it came out was um, I was thinking about the original Resident Evil movie and I haven't seen any of the sequels but I really like the original Resident Evil uh, because it is so it, it's very like proudly and unabashedly dumb and Underworld is not under it is not a proudly unabashedly dumb movie there are very silly things that happen in it but like there is a whole lot of information being conveyed and i was sort of expecting to be able to turn off my brain a little bit more ah uh, uh-huh. now you're in school and <laughs> and there's an exam and <laughs> there's so many Scott Speedman. <laughs> there's so many multiple choice options. <laughs> Professor Craven. All start with C. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out what is what what's what's the right like context for for this movie. And there there's stuff about it that I think is is interesting. Like I'm pretty sure this is Len Wiseman's uh first movie. Um and he's a very like for hire um like like middle brow action movie guy he goes on to do like like die hard four or like the total recall remake that doesn't exist um, <laughs> for- <laughs> i knew that was the mandela effect <laughs> um you know, previously to this, he had directed a lot of music videos, which I think is very clear in the, like, five-gum perfume commercial, like, post-Matrix, like, aesthetic of this movie. Um, but um, Len Wiseman worked as a props assistant in the art department for a bunch of Roland Emmerich movies in the 90s, like Stargate, Independence Day, I think Godzilla... Um, but the guy that he meets, um, the guy who's doing background work one day on Stargate, who he hits it off with, is a guy named Kevin Grievous. Um, and I, do you, do you remember the guy Ray's in, in the movie? He's the, the werewolf that yells out. I had to look up who it was just now. (laughs) Oh yeah. Because names um, are so, like, nothing in this movie, I feel like. Right, right. I, I remember there's a line Michael Sheen has where he goes, where's Ray's? And I was like, who the fuck is Ray's? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the one with the voice that sounds like it came from the pits of hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Throttles yes. the subwoofers. 
Yes. And let me let me just say about Kevin Grievous, if you see an interview with him <laughs> where he's like at Comic-Con and he just has like a t-shirt and a baseball cap, that is his natural speaking voice. It That's it sounds crazy. It's unbelievable. It I doesn't sound real. Wow. No. And it'll sound altered if you see him talking about like his love of being the creator of I Frankenstein. Um <laughs> especially <laughs> If you hear him laugh, if you hear him go like, ha, 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 in his, like, Kevin Grievous voice, um, it sounds like you have challenged Zeus. <laughs> it really does, like, literally. It's, yeah, it's it's earth-shaking. But, I mean, this is one of the things that, like, when... Let me let me try to get, like, a little bit of background on... It's Graveau, right? Apparently it's Grievous. French is a stupid, made-up I know. language. For cowards. The way and, they'd put letters together is like, okay, sure, you know. The way they were cowards about the Iraq War wouldn't support us. <laughs> I agree. That's why I only eat freedom fries. You um, really okay. are the, the libertarian of this podcast episode. <laughs> you can't see it, but they're wearing a Don't Tread on Me shirt. It's just a vampire instead of a snake. <laughs> I'm wearing a, a Don't Tread on Me bra. Um, <laughs> so... Kevin Grievous um, was the son of two Harvard graduates. Um, he graduates from Howard University in Washington, D.C. with a degree in microbiology, minors in chemistry and psychology, um, works towards a master's degree in genetic engineering. But while it's all going on in the background, he has always wanted to be a writer and a filmmaker and to create comic books. Um, but he buckles down on being a doctor because that's what his parents want for him. Um, he loves monster movies. He loves sci-fi. Um, and right when he is um, like about to be done with school, he decides, I'm going to give myself one last chance to break into the industry. Um, and I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to move there. Um, he does a lot of background work and stunt work because he is, he is so distinctive. Yeah. He is this like six foot two, very muscular black man with this voice that is not real. And so he, he gets a lot of work in a lot of stuff, but he's also, um, writing the first treatment of Underworld and describing it to his new friends, Danny McBride, not that one, um, <laughs> a stunt actor with the same name, and Len Wiseman. And they have been developing this together for a while so that by the time Len Wiseman eventually gets to make a movie, he he's bringing together these people that he has known for like four or five years. And when you, when you read... Or hear Kevin Grievous talk about like his his love for this mythology and for doing this stuff. Um, all like the whole movie makes sense. Like you have known or worked with or had a class with someone who is like one of the twelve bazillion charming things about them is that they have a fantasy universe and if if they can sit you down they will tell you everything about the corvinus virus and how there were three descendants and one of them was a human and he had a descendant years later and it was scott speedman two of the other sons <laughs> one was bitten by a bat one was bitten by a wolf 
they're not actually magical. They just have a very specific kind of a virus. They can also see themselves in mirrors. Now, this brings me to the gang fight. Um, like, this is something that seems... And maybe this is my attachment. If, if I have any attachment to this movie, it is knowing this stuff about it beforehand. That this all feels very, very, very personal. And that that's where a lot of the the seriousness of it comes from. Is that, like, it almost even feels like, like it has this kind of both um, way over the top like operatic gothic grandeur and this like po-faced this isn't fantasy this is science kind of seriousness about it because this has been the personal like fan fiction mythology that has been embodying the dreams of someone who doesn't know if they're gonna get to be a screenwriter um you, you see what I mean? Like Totally. It takes itself so seriously because what if he doesn't make it in Hollywood? <laughs> That's passion, baby. This wow. is This is the stuff that you write in the margins of your history notes. Yes, 100%. And that really hits home for me. Um I I really want to find some quotes from from Kevin Grievous about some of the themes that are going on in in Underworld. Now, I I have a lot of, like, genuine respect and affection for this guy while also trying to, like, not be a dick about the fact that the one idea he has every couple years is, like, what if a universal monster, like, was in a city and had a trench coat? (laughs) Um, But, like, the, the kinds of, like, very earnest, very serious dorky gothic sci-fi monster movies that he is drawn to are kind of interesting i i get that in translating it to screen danny mcbride writing the script based on his idea len wiseman directing it all of the changes that they had to be able to make to like make an affordable movie that probably a lot of the like weird personal dorkiness probably got filed down in in trade for like a fairly polished coherent action movie there is a part of me that is like what if what if kevin grievous had written and directed this all on his own i'm sure he thinks that like the movie they made is probably better in the end but i'm like no give me give me more uncut fucking passion That's that's the thing is that I I think this movie could even benefit from some more like kind of complete impenetrability. It like is a it, it struck me somewhat as kind of a half measure in that regard because you like when you see something that is like so personal and so generated out of one brain um maybe i'll be able to edit this and uh think of an example not created by a total fucking monstrous piece of shit but primer for example it's that just level of like here is everything that i know me personally like either keep up or don't i am not simplifying this for you now if i can think of any other example in later on i'll edit that in because i do not want to fucking shout out shane carath in any sense fuck that oh um Joss Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. Beloved husband. um, (laughs) (laughs) Beloved Jesus. Um, But, like, the best parts of this movie 
Um, I, I, oh man, I'm coming around on Underworld. Uh, but like, <laughs> there is something, you know, when a good friend of yours starts like going off about something and they get like three or four sentences in and then they stop and they're like, hey, like, I'm sorry, I'm really passionate about this. I can stop. I know I'll just like monologue and go in for a while. And you're like, no, it's cool. You can keep going. And then, then them going off on like this complete like <laughs> fucking thing. They've like checked in to make sure they're not just talking all over you, but they're really passionate about it. Like it has that same kind of like friendliness might be the wrong word, but there is a geniality to the amount of shit thrown at you. Like it's 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 like an excited kid. Um, yeah. Thanks yeah, for yeah. not naming me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Your friend might be named uh, DJ or something. That's right. That's right. Let's say you have a friend, they've got a wig. <laughs> Let's say you've got this this libertarian friend. <laughs> we made enough jokes about it that I feel like we should make PJ is not a libertarian. Not a libertarian. <laughs> They've, they've ripped off their uh, Do Not Tread On Me shirt to reveal a shirt beneath it that says, Tread On Me! Please! Step on I say leave it, leave it a mystery. Like, I think that's what keeps people listening. Is oh, like, yeah. When is, when is PJ gonna, like, pull off the mask and there is just, like, a, like a red surface that says MAGA? Like, right there. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I have to keep my leftism a secret if I can help it. And I fucking... I interrupted your point about friends going on on a long ramble. It with a beautiful. Perfect. So yeah, you have a friend and their passion is uh, infectious. What were you saying? Yeah, I guess I'm a little also interested that... Because I think that's such a good description, Dixon. Like, it, I found the information digestible. That's the thing, is like, I couldn't... I just couldn't quite get there. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think also part of it, not trying to um, uh, blame her or cast shade or anything, but I watched this with Savannah, and this genre of movie is very much not Savannah's thing. Like, she does mm-hmm. not really care for fantasy much in the slightest, which is, you know, her completely her prerogative. Totally. Um, but she said something which made, me <laughs> which made me a little depressed, which was, like, after one of the info dumps, she was like, you know... Like, we're laughing at this, but, like, this doesn't feel any different than, like, any other fantasy movie to me. Like, the problems I'm having with it feel the same as this. Oh, yeah. And I was... That really threw me, but I don't know. Maybe she's on to something. Like, maybe just something about this particular narrative. I, like, it bumped me. And, you know, every other fantasy thing I engage with is still, like, this sort of, you know, dense novel of things you have to accept and i for whatever reason just like werewolves <laughs> I, don't I don't know yeah no that's so i feel the same way she does except i like this fantasy i think because mm-hmm. i'm not a fantasy person either but for some for whatever fucking reason i find this interesting and i guess that's the reason i understand it is because i'm paying attention <laughs> but i think she's right i don't think it's much different in what's thrown at you. Yeah. And it like and you know, I've I've definitely been like audibly waffling on my take here and I think I'm coming out of this more positive, but I'm sure I've said some contradictory things about 
like how I how I feel about this movie and like there is something about it that I cannot quite express like why was I more positive about Dracula 2000 than this there's no there truly is no explanation every issue yeah. I've laid out as part of what bumped me about underworld could very easily be laid <laughs> very easily um, <laughs> well, Dracula 2000 has a lot more personality than this does, I think. Yes. Like, like yeah. their, their Dracula as fucking inappropriate <laughs> of a personality as that was, was something to think about. This is like a card... These have like really sexy cardboard cutout versions and a bunch of like scrolls to read through. Like, <laughs> so I don't blame you at all for feeling more connected to something that I even think is a worse movie, mm. personally. Like, I think Underworld is a much better movie than Dracula 2000. But, but only because it's like organized and it's not funky. It didn't take any risks, you know? It didn't take mm. those same kinds of like character risks there was nothing really to laugh at you know Mm -mm. there's like a bunch of things in dracula 2000 that are just so out there or left field or flat out wrong of a choice that you can you can just point at the screen and go like um but there if, if there was something like that in underworld it didn't quite hit me that way and so I guess that's sort of a point in both films' favor with me. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be trying to suss out how I feel about this as time goes on. I might rewatch it before the sequel. Yeah. Um, and I'm honestly I'm looking forward to the sequels because I feel like one I've gotten acclimated to this style of storytelling, and two, you know, either the majority of things that have to get explained have already been explained in this movie or they're going to come up with a whole new list of things to explain and at that point i think i'll be pretty well impressed by their dedication to that yeah yeah for sure i i think i agree with you in that there's no missteps that there are to laugh at i think underworld does everything it was supposed to like it does everything right you know all the moves that are made we've got a heroine who's gaslit by a misogynistic vampire leader who you know is using her intuition to like guide herself through these battles and through this like philosophical journey of like do i want to blend my species or is that really wrong or is that just what i've been taught and i feel like everything it does is right like nothing about it i'm like oh my god that's stupid like it should have been something else but it doesn't make it exciting it just makes it correct and i think that's what i like watching it it just feels like Hmm, that was satisfying. That's what it was supposed to happen. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that was me shouting no as a way to agree with what you're saying. <laughs> um, but you're you're right. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great way of putting it. This, this movie is wholly successful. This is a successful movie. And I think maybe just what it succeeded at doing wasn't quite my thing. Sure. But I think you're totally right, Becky. That's that's a really that's a really good way of putting it. You know, there's there's so much about this world where, like, I I don't I don't think you can make this movie and then not do a franchise of it. Yeah. Like I, one of the things about Underworld is, you know, it gets in and gets out and does its fucking job, and and the people who like put down a ticket to see. Kate breakfast like looking like a birds of prey on the top of a building like they totally got what they paid for and the the whole world is so 
fully imagined and has so much shit going on in it that you you get a full meal but i wouldn't say that this like stands alone as its own like self-contained movie with like a like a satisfying ending and if anything like um i know this was underworld had to be a script that like started out at like 300 pages they they cut it down to like a third of that and then cut other stuff for budget reasons um i i think the shit going on in this universe is very sequelizable and this is something where i am although i totally fear that the sequels are gonna like stay really really boring and really like po-faced and blue um I'm curious about what new directions it moves in, and I'm curious because, like, so the the actual, like, story of the vampires and werewolves are that the werewolves are, like, an oppressed underclass that were pretty explicitly slaves for a period of time, held in bondage by vampires, um, Kate Beckinsale lived for a really long time as someone to carry out and extend not only the gang war, but a very, very specific genocide against the werewolves, only to find out that her entire family and the order that she has been serving for so long is completely corrupt. Um, the foundation of everything that you believed in is wrong. The good guys aren't the good guys, and the bad guys are kind of complicated, and the only thing that you can really, really count on is this fuckable man with shoulder-length hair. Um, PJ, it's such a good summation of... we. I wish we put that at the beginning of this episode. That was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's... But here's the thing. Like, I, I had to, like, kind of dig to find mm. that stuff. I, yeah. But I think that kernel... That you have to, like, eat through a not-great apple, but still pretty good to get to. I think that is fucking dynamite. I think that's really, really cool. I will be interested to see, like, how how loyal the other sequels are to, to doing anything with that. Another Kevin Grievous thing that I should say is that he has a, a habit of... An intentional habit of writing roles for himself in the script because if he if he describes like um a character of a very specific like like physical description he's he's describing a, a Kevin Grievous shaped person and they have to get him for it and that therefore means that they have to have him around on set it's I not going to be the writer thing where they get him the fuck out of there um, and, and like maybe erase his credit or like send him royalties. He's on the set for the thing. And I know he's in rise of the lichens. Um, and all of the, look, I, in, in, in trying to like track the, the race parable in the underworld mythology, I want to be really careful. I don't want to fucking overextend myself and like go out of my lane there, but because it is kind of one of the. I'm sorry, this is going to sound mean. Because it's one of the only interesting things about this movie to me, mm-hmm. um, and about how there there is one guy in the like chain of production here for whom it's like intensely personal, I'm really curious about 
if that gets preserved or like abandoned in other in other underworld movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I th- this movie sounds fucking fascinating when you describe it. It, it sounds does. like so 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 interesting and you know what i like you two were saying earlier i bet if i caught it on tnt um at like 6 p.m on a sunday afternoon when i'm finally starting to shake off a hangover um and i'm getting takeout i bet i bet it would hit the fucking spot it Mm. hits Um, the spot for me that's the best way to put it it literally hits the spot for me like it just does all the things i want i i look forward to certain parts of it and i'm not worried or i'm not at the edge of my seat i'm i'm chilling when i'm watching underworld (laughs) like i i i think that's a really great way to put it you know and i understand why you wouldn't get a lot out of it if you're expecting more from it you know, yeah. it's a very vanilla to, blue movie. <laughs> vanilla blue. Yeah. And I, I have to like, I have to go on a podcast and like say things about it and try to sound fucking smart. And I, sometimes I worry, like, does that mean that I'm, even if I'm going into these with the intention of being like real open-minded and, and willing to be like the underworld advocate, like I, everything we watch, I'm totally willing to be like, yeah, Kirk Cameron saving Christmas is like the best movie. I'm always open-minded about it, but like, because, because I have to like formulate like a thesis, like I, I, I hope that isn't like stealing me up against these movies. Do do you kind of know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I think, I think ultimately you are, you found a, a, you found a narrative that lives in your gut you know about this movie yeah. and that i think i i just love that angle that this is written from one this is like from one person this is one person's side hustle fantasy like what's fucking someone's beautiful. baby mm-hmm. yeah well yeah. i think this this thesis honestly makes me a little bit more excited for the sequels because I think if you can combine the you know story and characters being someone baby being some being someone baby being someone baby uh, being <laughs> someone's someone baby. baby with a more uh, with a more coherent and not so indebted to its time and predecessors director I think that could really be something. I think a huge part of why this stuff that I'm realizing I either like or dislike but admire is hobbled is because the I don't think this movie is I mean it's it's directed by somebody who like had who has said they'd seen the Matrix but has only seen the YouTube compilation called Matrix Best Scenes. Um, that's like six <laughs> minutes long and, and does not get to the core of why those movies work. I think if with a little bit more distance, both in time and in actual director, I think these things could become something a little bit more distinct. But like that kernel of an idea that you're talking about, PJ, is is battling against um, aesthetics that are pretty well and truly played out like at the time and especially now yeah yeah and like that i was thinking about all the the color correction stuff in this movie because it's like i 
I've sort of warmed up to it as just like accepting that that this movie has a look, you know? It mm. it really has an aesthetic and I, I I don't know if I'm being objective when I say that I I think its aesthetic is like uglier than like a B movie in say like the 80s or the 70s. Um but I kept wondering like, you know, this Color correction didn't totally always look like this up until up until then. Like I think there were things about the process and like the digital intermediary that they used that was like that was new that like Len Wiseman was bringing over from like music videos and commercials, but I like I kept wondering if someone born in like 2008 or so or like like 2012 or something like that. 20 years from now, they watch this movie. Will they have the same kind of like, ooh, outdated, cool, defining era aesthetic kind of thing that I have when I watch like a fucked up 70s movie? Mm. Hmm. Do you see what I mean? I do. I mean, I feel like I almost have that when I watch this movie. I kind of was, when I was watching it, I just kind of wrote down things I liked. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of want to go through just some of those things that like still tickle me even after I've watched it that many times. Let's I'd go. love to hear that. Okay. I said, as as you know, I love that there's nothing green. I love that it gets away with just narrating a century in the first minute. I love that it's Matrix meets vampires. I love her just perching like a bird. I love this weird n- Nazi doctor who where is he from um 1941 i love that it's watch it's like watching a movie in like a gothic modern day london hollister (laughs) i was just gonna say that like a thing about this movie that i like is is that a lot of the characters are from um europe but if it was a different planet (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Planet Europe. One hundred percent. I love when the lichens run sideways on the walls because it looks like they're gonna fall off, but they don't. <laughs> um, I love when she shoots bullets through the floor in a circle so she can more quickly get downstairs. Where she like, uh, what's it called? Perforates the floor with her bullets. Sorry, I'm just imagining this on like the fucking uh, end of a <laughs> end of love, actually, like series of boards that you're like, Shh, <laughs> don't say anything. I love how she shoots a circle through the floor. It's me with these signs, and it's Dixon with the door open, and Savannah's in the back, and she's like, "Who is it?" And you're like, "No one, honey." <laughs> it's, just, it's just carolers. <laughs> oh fuck (laughs) i love uh, the way bill nye says what's this ruckus (laughs) and the way he says leave us and the way he goes yes with his mouth because he's like scoffing at people whether it's in love or in vain I love the creation of a new species. I love watch. I love that we get to watch the new species be created 
um, and see the see the abom- abomination before our eyes. Um, and I love when his head slides off like a like like a slab of meat. So you know, nothing is surprising in this movie, obviously, especially with how many times I've seen it. But like. It, I think the the silly, they're not even silly, but the fun things about it are still really delightful to me. I want to add in an applause uh, sound effect at the end of Becky's list of good underworld things. <laughs> I a forgot. Huge crowd. I forgot. Oh, I up? like I like Victor's green body. Yes, that Actually, was green. That was green. You're right. Mm. You're right. I'm wrong. Well, I'm, I'm knocking wrong. I this said, movie down yeah, half this movie a star. Sucks. I said there was nothing green. <laughs> you know what, dude? All of the stages of makeup on his like slow like return to being alive are wonderful. Agreed. Yeah. Very first image of him Scary. with all the blood tubes coming out of the back of him um, when. You know, it's it's really really hard for prosthetic makeup to make you to make your face look any smaller or skinnier than it is because it's an additive process. So something like really sunken in like flesh on your cheekbones is really really hard to do, really hard to do well. Usually the thing that they do is they accentuate yeah. the bones that would be poking out by making them look a little bit bigger. It's easy for it to look shitty. Um, but it looks so uh, organic and cool yeah. and memorable here. I even, man, I, I know we're like ping-ponging all over the place, but I really, really do like the anchor of like ec- the expectations that we build for Victor for what he means to Celine. They build it up so well when he finally does come in and it's this great actor who's having fun. Like there's a there's a good proper oh shit moment. He's always interesting. There are layers to him. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm look I'm looking forward to to sequels about about Victor. I'm really I'm sad he won't be in it though, unless it's like I can't really remember the sequel. Well, that's, he is the poster for... Oh, go ahead. I, I was about to say, this is actually a great opportunity to pivot into potential rankings because that plays heavily into mine, um, if that's not rushing either of you. I wanted to say one more thing, which was that I'm really glad, PJ, that you just talked about... Because I think we have been ping-ponging quite a bit because there's so much history in there in this story to cover. It's like... Mm-hmm. hard to go over like every detail but i think it's really important to know that celine views victor as a father yeah this whole movie and then by the end of it she ends up slaying her father realizing that he's lied to her her his her whole life so yeah. uh i think that's like you know that that's that's our character choice that's made here that's like the big loss and the sacrifice for this journey she's about to embark on in the sequel um, and I'm I'm just glad you mentioned that because I feel like it's so easy to gloss over all these big, <laughs> these really huge plot points. I feel like we would have absolutely gone over in other episodes of, for, of other movies, but there's just too much. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm I'm totally gonna think of stuff in this movie that like I wish I'd talked about later. I'm sure. Um, but honestly, like. I'm looking over it, and the uh, the only thing that I I have written down it's just it's just stuff about Craven. I'm really surprised that we didn't have like a 15 we minute detour it, yeah. about 
how how shitty he is. He has the energy of like a love interest in a honey sequel. Well, yes, uh, he sure does. I mean, like we could talk about it till we're, uh, you know, till we're, the cows freaking come home. But you know, what else are we gonna say that wasn't covered by the uh, DVD extra featurette about how hard it was to digitally de-age Tommy Wiseau for the role? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, I, uh, this is Tommy Wiseau pre-scarring that we don't know where the scars came from. Like the. Uh... The only thing I have written down on my notes about um, Craven, uh, I have Craven actor bad, um, and then I have an arrow coming from that, and then in quotes it says Disco Trevor question. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he has, he an has open a lot shirt. of like glittery shirts. Yeah, a mm. lot of se- sequins even. Yes, sequins on a a big. Like growling, grunting, like forty-two-year-old man playing like the high school bully in a Disney Channel original movie. I do um, sort of feel like Craven's like our bisexual villain, you know? Like you get Craven, buy vibes from him. Um, yeah, but repressed, like not accepting them. Oh, like fucks a lot like, of guys, but like hates himself for it. Like, yes. Yes. Cut that out. Cut that out. (laughs) Do do not fucking put that in. I'm not putting that in. I'm not going to put that in. (laughs) Just bleep out the name of the actor that I said there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're not that's a Okay, but yes, no. He he hates himself for being bisexual. Um and every once in a while he'll say to Celine, like, You mustn't disobey me. And then she'll be like We'll see what Victor has to say about that, and then he'll uh, he'll he'll curl his lower lip and show his lower row of teeth in frustration and kind of look like, around like she outsmarted him. And yes. it's um, he's in he's in so many of these movies. It looks like yes. he's reading a teleprompter for his physical actions. <laughs> <laughs> and like. I can't tell if this is this is his natural voice or if he's doing one of those like I or, or if he's do, trying to do something and it's like um it seems impenetrable but it's because it is someone's who he reminded me the most was have either of you seen Mortal Kombat the original mm-hmm. movie um Oh not in forever Christopher Lambert as Raiden um Oh, actual like God oh, of wow, Thunder, good and call. he's just going like, "I'm the God of Thunder," and you can't like, "Where the fuck are you from, Raiden, the God of Thunder?" And he's like, "Celine, how could you embarrass me in there like that?" Yes, like the emphasis was so strange. I do think he might be American and just not good with you know talking, but it's not good. Very weird, very weird person. I'm excited to see more of Craven's work. I'm I'm happy, honestly, that he's in the sequels. I'm just happy. <laughs> happy when whenever we get some 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 Craven. I'm, I'm crazy for Craven. I'm really happy for Craven. Have you, you know, guys the, seen Craven's Instagram lately? Like, it looks like they're doing really well. They're doing su- like really truly well. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't know, I was kind of because like I, I mean I wasn't worried, but it's sort of like Craven, you know. But no, they're really. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Coming into their own, yeah. Yeah, yeah, apologized yeah. for all the slurs and everything. Yes. Yes, Good for yes. him. Good for him. 
Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other stuff that I wanted to hit. Um, oh, um, Kevin Grievous did go on to make a series of Underworld comics, which feels right. Um, this feels like a universe that you could spend like a really, really long time expanding in like other forms of media in deathly serious, dry ways. But um, Kevin Grievous also went on to create uh, the Blue Marvel, who is a a Marvel superhero that was created in the last couple of years, um, and he's one of the Avengers now, I think. Um, so I'm I'm just happy I'm just happy for Kevin. I'm just I'm just happy for that dude, and I I hope he pops up in in the other movies, and I hope his eyes never turn light blue, cause that dude shouldn't have to get pissed off or <laughs> horny. No, never. What am I saying? If you love someone, <laughs> you hope they'll never get horny. <laughs> anyway, let's rank them, baby. Thanks for listening to Dead Horse. <laughs> if you love someone, dude. Um, so, so tying back in earlier, um, I think, here's what I think. I think this is going to be my second least favorite movie. What okay. I think how i think this is gonna play out is i'm gonna kind of like underworld evolution and i think if any one of these movies has if, if there's any one of these movies that i will really like it'll be rise of the lichens because that is a prequel i believe and the two main characters are michael sheen and bill nye so you know i'm in like even if everything else it like maintains the exact same level of i am of of interest i'm able to generate for it having those two actors uh be the focal points of it i think will will really go a long way for me and i don't know why but i feel like underworld awakening is going to be very bad and underworld blood wars will be fine so <laughs> that's just complete gut. I got this nothing nothing to back that up. But my my perspective rankings here are three, two, five, one, four. Wow, we have so many to rank. Like so we have so many complete guesses to make today. <laughs> oh yeah. And I've seen I think I've seen all of them and I remember none. Well, I remember the second one a little bit. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I don't remember them. I'm like, was I okay? Like, was I awake? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm just going to also guess. Because I really don't remember. I think I did, like, two. Okay, I'm just going to start with my, my numbers. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one, three, two, five, four. All right. Now, I'm I really love, interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, me too. Because I, I remember enjoying some, but like, it's like I need, it's almost as if someone bit me and I got their memories in regards to these <laughs> movies. And it's just like this sort of hazy thing. How is a, how is a movie with an epigenetic memories subplot? Like, how is, how is that boring? I don't <laughs> There's someone someone smarter than me should unpack all the themes in Underworld because I'm not doing it. Um, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Um, 
I forget how this works, so I'm just going to do what I assume Dixon and Becky were doing, and I'm just going to name some numbers that I like. I think 59 and 12 and... No, I mean, we have we have fucking nothing to go off of. Um, none of these movies have, like, a reputation or, like, an any impact that, like, I've been aware of. Um, I've never heard word fucking one about these movies other than... Every couple of years, I would, like, go to the movies and be like, oh, hey, they did another Underworld. Um, but franchises where that's the case are also our bread and butter. So I'm um, I'm legitimately excited to find, like, what is, what is the movie in here that I'll, like, uh, ride for when I, like, get drunk at a bar and the Underworld movies come up. Like, I, I want Underworld Awakening to be the one where I'm like, no, you don't understand. Damn, it's good. It's actually very good. Um, I know the last one is is the one where they they get a, a female director involved. I need to find her name. She was like a um, Anna aerial. Forrester? That's right. She was an aerial DP um, and second unit DP on a lot of Roland Emmerich movies, hmm. and I'm. I just think I just think that's cool. What does a movie from an aerial photographer look like? Does she ever do medium shots, or just is it all just from overhead? Wow, Kate Beckinsale looks like ants down there. <laughs> um, fuck. Three, five, four, one, two. Let's fucking go. Let's, Let's go, go, dude. Oh, I assume these are all a three out of ten. And, and I just have subjective, like, taste differences. I What were you saying? I interrupted you. Oh, no, no, you're totally fine. I was just saying, we do, we're doing it. Season two, folks. Dead Horse 2, baby. We're making a sequel. Yeah. Get ready for a couple of long fucking franchises. We are, oh we are diving into longer franchises. And will it take a toll on my mental health? Like, 100%. Oh, yeah. Is it worth oh, yeah. it? Is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know what April's going to feel like, but we'll talk about it then. I think mine's going to get better. I think the, I think the the bags under my eyes are going to clear up. I'll start having kind of like a natal glow to my skin, you know? Like, yeah. I might stop watching self-contained movies and just only watch long franchises from here on out. That's great. I'm going to jewel more. Perfect. It's uh good for you. Yeah. So, um yeah, man, I I'm I'm so excited about the movie. I mean, we can't spoil them. I'm really excited about the franchises we're doing and the guests that we tentatively have lined up. The thing I'm fucking stressed about is the logistics of now it's not just our three schedules. Now it's like it's all these other people. So, you guys are going to listen to us learn how to make a podcast while being uh, real people with jobs and lives and poor, mm. um, and and yeah, who knows? Who knows where this season of Dead Horse will end up in your franchise ranking? <laughs> Do you okay. like the sequel better? We'll see. My favorite season was the one where Peachy was a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a libertarian this season. Uh, I was a neocon last season. <laughs> Next season, I'm going to be uh, an authoritarian uh, tanky. Uh, season. Out.
Dead Horses, Dixon, Becky, and PJ. You can find us on Instagram at Dead Horse Podcast or on Twitter at Dead Horse The Pod. We'd like to thank Max Huffman for the art. We'd like to thank me for uh, editing and doing the music. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, have a good. Um, hope you're doing. I hope this email finds you.